0: Hi, and welcome back to The European VC, your podcast for insights into the European VC industry. If you love our show, do drop us a review, share it with your friends, and join our Slack community at theeuropeanvc.com forward slash community. And don't forget, if you are about to raise a fund or an international round, do let us know, and we'll be happy to introduce you to relevant investors. Today, we're happy to introduce you to Dick Sitzi, founding and managing partner of Health Innovations, an early-stage fund for Dutch healthcare innovations. Dick has been a VC since 2000 and founded Health Innovations with a strong eye to the market rather than the technology, and thereby brings a different vantage point to the VC world of healthcare than most funds in this space. We hope you'll enjoy this episode as much as we did making it. Want to be on top of who the best up-and-coming emerging VCs in Europe are, and maybe even invest with them? Register for our newsletter at theemergingvc.substack.com and be the first to get in the
1: know. Dick, welcome to the European VC. Super nice to have you. How are you today? Yeah, thank you. Very good. Thanks. (laughs) Nice. Dick, I wanted to start off with uh, something you shared with us, which is that you guys ended in healthcare by... Accident or by chance. (laughs) Can you share a bit that story with our audience? So, what took you into this space and what was that process like?
2: Well, actually, I ended alone in healthcare. It's even worse than that. (laughs) I was in venture capital from the year 2000 on and did that for six years in a tech VC. And what I learned is that entrepreneurs are very enthusiastic about their tech. They really love their tech. You can wake them up in the middle of the night and talk about their tech and they get excited and don't go to sleep anymore. <laughs> what they don't know a lot about most of the time is the market they were going to. And I was looking for a way to build a fund around the market, so not too deep in tech. And I just spoke to a lot of people in the, at that time. And suddenly I came to some people of a healthcare insurer here in the Netherlands and we just changed our healthcare system in 2006. They were struggling with how to improve and innovate in the healthcare system. And we could use all this new tech to help improve healthcare and reduce costs and make it more accessible and all the things we want for healthcare. And then we build a fund around the healthcare market in the Netherlands. Yeah,
1: Healthcare is a big market, <laughs> as you know. So I guess, are you doing everything in healthcare or are you shying away from biotech and medtech? Just share some thoughts around that.
2: What we try to do is focus on healthcare, on the healthcare sector itself. And where biotech and medtech is for a lot, it's just a providing to the healthcare industry. We say we don't focus on that. Okay. In the Netherlands, one in seven people are working in healthcare. It's... Not one in seven investments in tech <laughs> in healthcare. It's a lot less. And everyone uses healthcare, right? <laughs> Everybody. Uses it and every, in the end, we all end up in healthcare. So the strange thing is that although it's a quite a large sector, the focus is more on the supply part yep. than on the sector itself. So yep. what we try to do is focus on the sector itself. So we don't do medicine development and biotech at all. We. Do some medtech, but only if we see real impact on the processes in healthcare.
3: What's the impact on the type of companies, and also your underlying, you know, the firm that is needed to both gauge the opportunities but also add value to them? If you could contrast your fund to the big one, so we've got
1: people like Daniela Kutos. Daniela by Kut, uh, biogeneration Ventures, biotech, medtech no. focused. Yeah.
3: Yeah would you contrast your fund and what you do to them
1: well sometimes we
2: work together but in the end we don't see each other that much because they're really on this providing part of healthcare yeah. so they make all the tools that doctors and nurses can use and we are more focused on the doctors and nurses themselves how they work yeah. Yeah. we had investments with gilda for instance here in the netherlands uh, night balance have also an investment together with lsp but within the lsp you have different funds and we Work typically with a health economic fund here, where they also have a focus more on the healthcare part.
3: And what does that mean for your organization and how you work? I imagine that the profile of the people you employ is quite different from BGV, as an example.
2: Yes, we don't have a lot of PhDs here, that's true. We do have, uh, I think it's typical Dutch studies, uh, econometrists, <laughs> two of them here. So it's a mathematical economics, so really uh, try to calculate on stuff. But in the end, we try to stay very close to the healthcare sector. We also have investors in our funds who are, for a large part, from the healthcare sector. So we have three of the four largest Dutch healthcare insurers, and we have KPN and Monuta, ABN AMRO Bank, Medique in the first two funds. And they all want to improve healthcare, but they're also part of our network in helping those startups getting into the market. For instance, most startups in healthcare, the first question is, how do we fit in the healthcare system? And if you fit, then the reimbursement will follow. And what we try to do is help them to find that route to their role in healthcare.
1: I found very different approaches to the healthcare market. So for example, I won't name the individuals, but talking to this investors doing digital health, and their perspective was that everything that had like regulatory hurdles, not for us. And then on the other side of the spectrum, you have people like many we've interviewed actually, who actually love the fact that that exists because that's actually their expertise. It's helping these companies take going through that route. Where do you guys stand in this spectrum?
2: If I would say what our expertise is to help companies get into the healthcare system, not as much the regulation part. We can also do that, the CE and MDR and and, uh, also the things that we are investing in are not typically that technologically challenging. So it's more engineering and work than a challenge to get it in but what's always a real challenge is to actually get them then in the, the system itself, because yeah. what, what you see in all, and it's not only for the Dutch system, it's on, in whole, the whole of Europe, essentially for the whole world, what you see is if in a normal company, if you can save a 10 euro by investing one euro in another department, you go to the boss of both departments, and then they say, oh well, yeah, sure we do that. And in healthcare, the one where the 10 euros is saved, they say, yeah, but your cost is my, my revenues, the one uh, one euro says, well, we see a good business, so. Give Give me the one euro anyway, and we will see what happens. And then everybody is complaining that healthcare is more expensive. And the challenge is how do you get all these parties working together and making healthcare better and cheaper and more accessible together.
3: How well does your expertise translate to going across
2: borders? From a helicopter view, essentially all the same. It's not that different. Well, The Netherlands is very small, so the companies we are investing in typically go to the Dutch market first and then to other markets in Europe, typically the Nordics, England, France, Germany, uh, a lot of them. So we also know the systems there a little bit, but not as intensively as the Dutch system. And the other way around, we're also more and more looking for other companies in other countries who also want to have access to the Dutch
1: market and try to help them get in here. You kind of hinted into it when you started Fund One, (laughs) which might feel some time ago. I'd actually like to tease a bit more out of that story to know that process. And I ask this because many of our listeners are emerging managers. So they are either going through that process themselves of raising Fund One or thinking about it. And so you said that you started looking at markets and then you met some strategic partners that really helped in making this a reality. But I'd love if you could put a bit more words into that process and maybe learnings or insights that you might have for our listeners based on that experience as well?
2: We typically have some corporate investors. What is strange for a fund like us, Mm -hmm. because most of the funds start with informal investors and family offices and things like that. What I saw when I started with the first fund was that the story I had about getting tech into healthcare and do it with the focus from healthcare was really what made the corporate companies tick. Typically, we also didn't talk to the guys who did investments there, but with the business guys. And they really wanted this to happen because they saw that this was needed at that time. So we're talking 2007, so it's uh, 15 years ago uh, already. But I think it's still the case. Well, you really need to have some kind of proposition that they like. I was already six or seven years in venture capital and had some yeah. exits and some investments done, so I knew what I was doing. I think that also helped. And what really was a thing, we had an arrangement here in the Netherlands, it's European legislation, it's everywhere. It's called a seed investor arrangement here, and you can get half of the money from the government at some kind of good conditions. One of the things that really helped my process was that uh, march the 31st they needed half of the investors and a plan and then the 33rd of june they needed all the investors and a pitch for me and because there was some kind of external pressure it really helped me to convince my investor well, i'm not in a hurry <laughs> but well we have this process and we want yeah. to try to make this happen so it really helps if you have some external pressure on your phone because It's always easy to wait for another month or two months or three months. Well, if it gets to a year at a certain point, you need the money and then you get a job and then your front ends. It's
3: actually a very good point. And now you're in the process of going to fund four, and I'm guessing that you don't have that external pressure that you can use anymore. And it is a notorious problem for fund managers to get the LPs to do their work. Have you developed any tactics to make sure that you actually can get a closing done at somewhat relatively quick pace?
2: Every fund is a challenge again. So it looks like if you had some good exits and some good returns in your fund that people would say, uh, well, now you are at the fourth fund, so it will happen uh, very easily. But there are always a lot of arguments to question all the good things that you've done in the past. Well, we had quite good exits five, six, seven years ago, and the reaction you get is, yeah, but that was a very different market. Can you do something like that again? Uh, No, I can do something like that again because that was then and now we're in a different market. Have you experienced with the current market? No, but nobody does. Fundraising for a startup is difficult, but for a fund is, well, twice as difficult because you're not selling a proposition, but you're selling the possibility to get into good propositions.
1: I hate to be the one bringing this topic, but I think in this case it is quite interesting, which is, you know, We've gone through a couple of years that are really weird <laughs> and, and healthcare has been on the spotlight. And this is mostly biotech, I know, but we've seen these investments really yield in returns. Have you seen a change in the way LPs look at healthcare?
2: You have the biotech at one part and you have the healthcare sector itself on the other. end. what we see a lot is people from other sectors who think we have a lot of experience in IT or consumer markets and a lot of people are very frustrated looking at all the press conferences of their governments and all the institutions and yeah. waiting and not deciding and deciding the wrong things and I think it's everywhere in Europe where people are very frustrated and a lot of entrepreneurs say I can do this better and I have a lot of experience in another sector and I will help. The healthcare sectors is really very different it's also really very difficult and i think the most important part of that is that in the end the healthcare sector is functioning very well everywhere i think that's the biggest problem of healthcare is mm-hmm. that at least in this part of the world in europe where we are if you walk out of your office and you fall down and you break your leg there will probably be an ambulance in 10 minutes you will be in a hospital in two hours you will be operated at the end of the day and you can walk again in a couple of weeks the system is working quite well Everybody coming into healthcare saying, well, we're going to do everything very different. (laughs) People immediately lock all the windows and all the doors because it functions really well. (laughs) So we don't want to do everything very different. We want to improve some things and then it gets slow and then it gets difficult.
3: One of my former mentors was also the chairman of the Danish purchasing organization that helps the healthcare sector in Denmark acquire new technology and so on. One of the things he said that really frustrated him during his time there was how difficult it was to get the healthcare sectors to adopt new technology and also work with startups. I'm curious to hear if you found a good model to work with these very, very big institutions and get them to actually adopt their startups' methodology.
2: Yeah, the, the most important ingredient is the same most important ingredient as cooking. It's time.
1: <laughs> I thought you were going to say love. <laughs> uh, a lot of love.
2: <laughs> and the funny thing about healthcare, it's really difficult to get new tech in. But what's even more difficult is to get that tech out. If you're in, you're in. And that's the advantage of healthcare. If You have to do a lot of work to get in, but if you're in people will use it and it will be a part of their system and it will be reimbursed and you will be paid. And no one is thinking about that it's even paid what they're subscribing or or using or things like that.
3: Another good friend of ours, Shomud Ghosh, he's an investor in Silicon Valley, notoriously known for his thinking around big data in healthcare and the importance of it and the fact that future models will all be built around the data you can collect. I'm curious to hear if you have a similar bullish view on data in healthcare and what can be done there.
2: There's a lot of data in healthcare. There's also a lot of GDPR, so a lot of rules to not use the data. You can do really a lot with data. We have one of our investments is using data to make more differentiation in groups in chronic care because at the end, everybody with diabetic or heart failure, they're all treated on the same protocols. And if you dive in the data, then you can see that for some groups, women versus men, age groups, people with other chronic diseases, they all should have different protocols. And what we try to get to the doctors is insight in all those groups and how you can treat them differently. That's something that really makes the healthcare tick, but it's also really difficult because, well, how do you reimburse? Because you reimburse the protocol and now you have different protocols. So everything is complicated again. But what we also do in some things with data is more on the technical side. So we have a company called MRI Guidance where we can get virtual CT images out of an MRI scanner. And it's really a lot of data and IT and artificial intelligence, but it's all boxed. So... What we show to the radiologist is just one button. Here you have the MRI, and if you press our button, then you immediately have also a CT of the same image. And that's what they need. They don't need to have all the data and all the, the things inside. They, they just want the outcome.
1: Yeah, I'm curious to explore a bit this topic of helping the startups getting into the healthcare systems. I'm curious how you deal with that when the companies are expanding internationally. right? Because I guess you guys have extremely good relationships in the Dutch market, right? Because of your track record and experience. But then let's say, you know, the company kind of proves it in the Netherlands and then wants to go to two other markets, one other market. Do you have long-standing relationships with other local players? Do you work through an advisory board that has those connections? How do you guys tackle that?
2: Uh, The most unsatisfying answer is that (laughs) we have to discover it every time again. And if it were true that you had some kind of systems that you could understand and know in different markets, then it would be very easy. But what you see is that there are different systems in one country for different parts of the healthcare market. And they're also changing all of the time, especially no And where we can help is try to figure out how things work and what needs to be done and be alert that things from three years ago probably don't work like that anymore. But first we have to find out together how they work now and build a network and see who's in. For instance, you have in Germany now the DIGA. That's a very nice system to have digital health in the German uh, system. We should adopt it everywhere in Europe, I think. But also that has its own rules and its own players. And well, you have to discover how that works. And if you can both benefit from it, both the German system and the
1: company uh, who wants to go to the German market. What about in the Dutch market? Do you have an established relationship with your own Ministry of Health or with your own kind of directorate general or whatever the name of this organization is in the Netherlands?
2: The Ministry of Health invested in our last fund. Oh, Fund fund 3? Fund 3, yeah. We do have a line with our Ministry of Health. But also, that's no guarantee that we will get things in. It's just that we know the people. If you have a lousy proposition, you won't get in any way. It's not that we can help to get it in. But what it really can help with is asking the right questions as soon as possible. Yeah. So as you're not working for a year on a consumer market that's just not there because it should be reimbursed, and if you want it reimbursed, then you should have started this research two years ago. Yeah. And if you didn't do that, then, well, you should do it again, but you lost two years.
1: Yeah, exactly. And that's what we see a lot. To my knowledge, it's not very common for a Ministry of Health (laughs) to participate as an LP in a venture fund. Can you share your thoughts around that? Because that's super interesting.
2: It was uh, five years ago, um, the Ministry of Health really wanted to have more digital health companies in the Netherlands. And I think they drank some coffee with the Ministry of Economic Affairs. And then (laughs) they thought, well, if you give us some money, then we select, uh, I think it were three or four funds were selected to invest in digital health. So it's labeled money. So we can use that money
1: only to do digital health, but it was what we were doing anyway. Even if it's not hard strings attached, if it's just a soft strings attached, are there like expectations in terms of outcomes in health, or not necessarily?
2: Yeah, there were at the beginning. But what you see with all corporates, and that's also what we see in our funds, is that within corporates and also governments, people tend to uh, leave the position in uh, three, four years time. So all the great discussions we had at first on outcomes, there we are now talking to the successor of the successor, and they. Just don't know what was agreed and what we should do. And uh, a little bit like your reaction, are we in venture capital?
1: <laughs> 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 That's funny. <laughs> so we talked about fund one, we've talked about fund three, we've talked about going to fund four now. And I'm curious to know, as an organization, how has that journey been, right? I guess team has increased, complexity around managing the team has increased. And i love to have your take on that journey from fund one to soon to be and hopefully fund for.
2: Well, yeah, I showed you my office a little bit. It's behind me. It looks larger than it actually is. <laughs> but um, with five now, I started quite alone, especially at the first front. It was very important to have people around me I could talk to. I could share thoughts because if you're trying to invest and do that alone and only have your investment committee, then uh, it's not working. So I collected then some people um, as sounding boards for me. When we started the second fund, the good part is that we also had some management fees from the first fund because we were still managing that and helping to grow the companies, preparing exits. So then you have also a little bit more money in your fund, so we could do it with two. Actually, we have now three full-time with the third fund, so with every fund someone gets in, it's also the size of the funds, it's not uh, are not really large funds that we invested yeah. in. It's nice to have dynamics with other people, so you don't need to search for other people to try to talk to, and, and so we had to have the discussions here in the office. On the other hand, as a founder of the funds, it remains difficult that I'm not managing all our investment, because I really love to know everything that's going on, and now we divided our portfolio so there are companies that I'm not speaking with on a monthly basis, at least. So and then I really love to see where they're going, what they're struggling with, how I can help. And that's well, it's difficult, but that's part of the game, I think. <laughs> Could you share the size of the funds? The first two were 10, and the last is 18 and a half million euros. Once someone learned to me that if you divide the fund size by 30, then you know a typical ticket size of a first round. So if you divide 18 by 30 you get 600k that's around the first rounds
1: that we can do what i'm curious there is you know growing that into three fts when you were looking for these people how did you go about it what was that process like
2: in the end venture capital isn't that difficult as a profession you can learn it both uh, the two full times are not from venture capital the first was actually one of our investors. So he worked for ABN AMRO at the time. He was the director of healthcare within ABN AMRO and was the one who decided at first to invest in our first fund. And with the second fund, I asked him if he knew any people. And then I saw in his eyes that he really liked it too. (laughs) So he made the shift from ABN AMRO to our fund. And uh, the last time we used a headhunter and we really looked for someone to fit in the team you really need to have people that you have shared a base with so you need to have diversity for the challenge but you also need some common ground to understand what we're doing it for
3: on that note uh, just before we go through the quick fire i think it would be interesting to hear your thinking around then remuneration because it's different in the venture space than others and since they didn't come from an investing background curious to hear what did you think around carry
2: The truth is that venture capital, the funds are smaller and we even have quite small funds. So both management fees and upside is not that high as larger funds or private equity. But on the other hand, it's a lot of more fun.
3: (laughs) Yeah, couldn't agree more. (laughs) (laughs) With that, I think we should end and go to the quick fire. This is a section where it's uh, quick questions and quick answers. So 30, 60 seconds.
2: Maybe get a haircut out because they're also looking for that. But, you, uh, but,
3: but on, uh, uh, I'm sitting here as a bald person, so I like to hear about this getting haircuts. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. First question, Dick. In healthcare, what areas excite you the most that other people don't really feel that excited about?
2: I think it's the whole process of healthcare. People in healthcare are there for helping people. Most of them, people from the biotech part are, are mostly in for the molecules and the curing and things like that. And what I really see is that things can be organized smarter than they are organized now, and that you can really help people better by doing things in a smarter way and have better outcome for the patients, but also less costs.
3: Super interesting. Second question, what's the most counterintuitive thing that you've learned since you first started in venture?
2: As venture capital, you're in the financial sector but what we are doing here is not financial at all we are helping people build their businesses and yes we have revenues and we are looking at customers and we have costs but Everything that you think is financial, it's not here. It's it's in the end, it's just the cash flow and that's it. And then we have building the business.
3: I think that's also why uh, VCs tend to be a bit different. Some would call us the hippies of the uh, financial sector. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> uh,
2: I-, I think my kids won't, re- won't agree. I'm just a boring old dad. But, uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah.
3: They don't know the professional. Dixit, so it. Yeah. And the final question, what can we expect in the future from Dixit's and health innovation?
2: I hope a lot. I hope we really make an impact from our view on how healthcare can work and how we can manage all the challenges that we face with an older population, also COVID-19, old challenges on, on new developments, personnel that is burning out, people demanding more from healthcare. So it's really something that we should use everything we can. And one of the things is the, the things we are offering. So I hope I have some impact.
0: Thank you for listening to this week's episode of The European VC, your podcast for insights into the European VC industry. If you love our show, do drop us a review, share it with your friends, and join our Slack community at theeuropeanvc.com forward slash community. And don't forget, if you would like to suggest topics or guests for future episodes, join our community and help make the best pod for everything European VC. And if you are about to raise a fund or an international round, do let us know
2: and we'll be happy to introduce you to relevant investors.